Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Ready for the Bahamas, right? Yeah. It's like last week was our heat wave. This, this next week is not going to be fun, right? But praying for you guys with your outside stuff. Oh my. Um, did you all have a great week? Good snow day on Tuesday? <laughs> Sorry, Joe. It's a, it's a great opportunity about being homeschooled. You still get to go. Uh, recess was fun, though. You built a snowman, so there you go. You know, it is a, a great opportunity we have before us every day. Right, you know, we can we can worship the Lord. We can open up His Word, and we have the revelation of God, who has communicated to us. You know, the question is, are we listening? Because if we fix upon this, we find hope. Hope throughout all the ages, who is the Lord Himself. He is the hope of all ages. And that is what we have seen through the circumstances that Habakkuk finds himself in. He sees this through all things that the Lord is hope. And we can look around at our own circumstances and be discouraged. Or we can look at the Lord and find hope. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Thank you that it's so amazing to see Jesus come clothed in flesh come to seek and save that which has lost all of us sinners to be nailed to a tree and to take the entire full punishment of every single transgression against you God we have all fallen short we have all sinned and yet there is no distinction as as well in this is that if we rest in you and believe upon you Jesus Christ and in your finished work upon that cross it is finished we are able to dwell with you here and now through all of our circumstances and we look forward to dwelling with you forevermore it's so amazing to celebrate that at any time. The Lord be with us in this time. There's a lot of hurt, and a lot of pain, a lot of sickness going around. Help us just fix upon you. And thank you so much for our time in the book of Habakkuk. And uh, I want to thank you for your grace and mercy found in Christ alone. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Habakkuk.
I said for the last time as I was reading this last night, and I was like, yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> There's always cross-references. Always. But Habakkuk chapter 3, uh, verses 14 through 19, we'll read. Habakkuk, the prophet of the Lord, writes this. He pierced with his own arrow the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of the mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. I think that's like my favorite verse in this entire book. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. The God, nor God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like a deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And then it ends with this, to the choir master with stringed instruments. This is continuing from where we left off last week, that the Lord would crush the wicked, that the Lord will pierce them with their own weapons of warfare. For the wicked are like a whirlwind, their chaos comes to scatter both Jerusalem and Judea. And they think this, they think that they can devour the poor in secret. But that is not true, for the Lord sees everything. Proverbs states this, the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on what is good, or on keeping watch on the evil and the good. See, the Lord Almighty sees all. He knows all. The Gospel of John records this of Jesus. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. So Jesus knows what is in us, and he needs no one to, to tell him, for he is God, and he knows everything about us. It is in the, it is, excuse me, it is the same in Habakkuk's day. The Lord knows what the Babylonians will do with their power, and he will judge them for the misuse of it. The same is in our day. The Lord knows who the robbers and liars are. He knows who misuses their power, and he will judge them, for the Lord tramples the seas. 
He is more powerful than the surging of mighty waters. One psalmist tells tells of the might of the Lord like this. He determines the number of stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts out the wicked to the ground. He is the one that has created all the stars and then numbered them and named them. We can't, we keep on finding them, right? We get deeper telescopes. There's more. We get another telescope. There's more. You know, it just keeps on going. Yet he knows every single one of them by name. He alone is the great one, the almighty, the all-knowing. And therefore he knows this too. He knows who is humble and he is against the wicked. The prophet listens, right? He hears Older's reports. He knows the mighty deeds of the Lord. It's a call back to what he started saying in verse 2 of chapter 3. And Habakkuk trembles. Uh, Jeremiah actually felt the same way uh, because of the desolation that was on the way. Jeremiah writes this in his book, being a contemporary of Habakkuk. My anguish, my anguish. I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart, my heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sounds of the trumpet, the alarm of war. See, these prophets knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what was coming, and it was a shame. It's like rottenness. It's like rot in the bones. And that's uh, Proverbs 12.4. Yeah, with all of the fear and all of the trembling, trembling and all of the wondering of when, Habakkuk says this, I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. He knows that trouble comes. He knows that they will invade. But Habakkuk knows this as well. The invaders will not win the day. For they will face the Lord of hosts, and they will be judged. I thought about that for a minute. I was like, how how would that work in our day? Excuse me. This isn't some conspiracy theory, right? Oh, it's going to happen. You know, buy my $9 plan. Habakkuk knows what will happen. Babylon will invade. Babylon will bring exile. Babylon will be judged. He has wrestled with all of this throughout the book. And yet his book ends with prayer, praise, and waiting. If we knew this, that, and the other was going to happen, we'd be on four patriots or ready wives. I've been getting a lot of ads for them. Buy the food, man. It's going to happen. It's going to come. The internet's down. Get it now. (laughs) Good illustration, right? Yeah, we would get all of our guns and ammo we could, and we would be ready, right? But the question that Habakkuk brings to the table is what our hearts be. 
Then I ask this, as I've, as I've said throughout the whole book, I've, I ask these questions as a person not wanting change to happen. Because I love history, right? And if you love history, you can see a lot of things of the horrors of history of when republics fall and empires rise and when constitutions are burned and guillotines are set up. Yet we live in a very intense culture of blame and the kind where it is easy to hate the enemy and to blame the enemy for everything. But Jesus says this, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. We are not to join the us versus them mantra. We are to be about what Paul tells us. Now go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. this for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging a war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not <coughs> excuse me of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. See, we, we wage war not of the flesh, not of guns and tanks, of troops, but of divine power to obliterate strongholds, to destroy arguments and lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God. That we would see that every other worldview or ism has taken people captive. So we need to take those thoughts captive and show them who the victor is, the man, Christ Jesus. And that brings us to the whole important of the how-to, right? So, you know, the how-to, I love those books, right? The how-to for dummies, right? A, it used to be a very small section, it's growing. <laughs> oh. But how do we wait? How does Habakkuk wait? In a culture of rushing around and in staying busy in the crazy, uh, craziness of life, how do we rest? Well, in verses 17 through 19 of chapter 3 of Habakkuk, he, he starts us with a starting point. And he takes us to our hope and stay. The prophet points to the fig tree that even if it doesn't blossom and even if it doesn't bring any fruit, even if the fields are not yielding food, even if the flocks are gone and the herds are gone, the prophet says even if this comes, and he knows it's not a maybe, right? Habakkuk knows the crops, their livelihoods will be in jeopardy 
because Babylon is coming. Yet he doesn't fix on that truth, but he fix on, fixes on this truth. He will rejoice in the Lord. He states this, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Because Habakkuk knows this, no other thing will save, no form of government can, no promises of man, no human idea can stop what is coming. So Habakkuk holds to the Lord above, knowing he will stop it in his timing. I think that's the, that's the hard part for everybody, right? Even Habakkuk. In God's timing, he will bring justice. Job says it like this in his time of struggle, when he had lost everything, even his health. Job states this, Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. Job knew that all of life was in the Lord's hands. Even if the Lord slayed Job, his hope is set on the one who is in control. And Job knows, hey, I can go argue my case face to face with God then. I will speak to him face to face. Job later states this in the book. For I know my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. See, Job holds to these truths even in his time of darkness one that his Redeemer lives because God is a God of the living and he has a living hope and two God will stand upon the earth and with that he will bring justice and judgment to all See, Job's and Habakkuk's hope is set no matter what life brings they fix their faces upon the Lord Almighty and Job also states this, there will be a physical resurrection. He knows he will see God in the flesh, even after his flesh has been destroyed. He knows who he will behold. See, this points us to our hope. What the author of Hebrews states, we have this, a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. See, Jesus is our hope and stay, our sure and steadfast anchor for our very soul because he alone approaches God the Father on our behalf. Just as Paul tells Timothy, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. See, Jesus is our anchor and Jesus is our mediator. And he alone is our hope and stay. Who we are in him, who rest in him, know this. And no matter what is going on in life, we can hold to Jesus. And we know this, that he stands before God for us. This is the hope that the world needs because the world is broken. And we can't try to be good. We can't try to unbreak it. Our life is full of hurts and pain and death and sin and war and famine. 
And apart from the hope in God, where can we find it? Habakkuk ends with this, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like a deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. See, the prophet doesn't reject the circumstances. He takes it all to the Lord. He wrestles with the Lord. He waits upon the Lord, and he trusts in the Lord. Throughout the whole of the book, we see that this is what we can do with our circumstances as well and find strength and hope and a high place, dwelling with God through it all, walking with the Lord through it all, for the foundation of our hope is laid out, and it is true. There is a God. God is in control. He will stand upon the earth and bring justice and judgment to all, and there will be a physical resurrection. Now please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul starts off by reminding the church of Corinth of the gospel, of the good news that he preached to them, that they believed in, which they stand in unless they had believed in vain. For this alone is the hope. Paul starts this off in verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins accordance with Scripture, that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture, and that he also appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. See, this is the core of Christianity. This is, this is it. This is the first importance, what Paul received and then went out and told everyone he could. That scripture is fulfilled, that Christ has come, Christ has died and was buried and raised on the third day. This is the hope for all of humanity. Then Paul goes on, he, he wants to address some rumors that he heard from Corinth that some were questioning the physical resurrection, and they still do today. Paul states this in verses 12 through 14. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. See, if this central truth of Christianity is not true, then it all falls apart. And our faith is in vain. Paul goes on in verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about, about God that he raised Christ whom he, he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in all 
in this life only, we are all of people to be most pitied. See, Paul states it. If it's not true, then the apostles are misrepresenting God himself because they are the witnesses of Christ, the witnesses of his life, death, and resurrection. So then if it is not true, then our faith is futile and we are still in our sins, doomed to die. And if it is not true, then believers in Christ are to be most pitied. But it is true. The good news of Christ's resurrection is a physical, historical fact that time and time again people look back, go back from atheists to agnostics, agnostics, big word today, (laughs) to anyone. They go and look at it and they come back Believers, They actually come back uh, apologists usually uh, because they want to defend and answer questions and show uh, the verification of the faith. Just to name a few that were atheists at one time that now go out and talk about the faith and tell people of Christ. Uh, Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, and Jay Warner Wallace. All three were atheists at one time in their lives and now are Christian believers that go out and defend the faith and the cause for Christ. Really good books, too, if you need a good Christmas idea. Here, read this. (laughs) Paul goes on to talk about the resurrection and the truths therein. It's a great read, all of chapter 15. He states this in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will rise, raised, will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on the immortal. Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? See, we all have this hope. In Christ, the perishable will inherit the imperishable. We will have resurrected bodies. New tents, right? Not the old shabby tents, but, you know, that Paul actually uses that illustration earlier in Corinthians. Victory is found in the resurrected one, Jesus the Messiah, for he alone is the anchor for our soul and the good news to those that are captive in darkness. With all this hope, Paul ends with this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. See, when we come to the book of Habakkuk, one thing for sure about this small little book like Jonah and Nahum, they pack a punch, right? Ah, right of the throat, right? Oh, got to think about that one. <laughs> it is always a joy to study through the Scripture. 
And we find these gems throughout them, throughout all of the books, major, minor, everything. We find gems that we can treasure throughout our lives and share with others. Habakkuk saw his circumstances. He cried out to the Lord. So we can take our problems to the Lord. And we can deal with the truth of the realities that are in front of us. And we can wrestle with the Lord even when we don't want them to happen. I think that was my favorite part of the book was when Habakkuk's having that conversation with God. I was like, I don't want it to happen. What's going to happen, man? Okay. (laughs) And then in that, we can turn to praise. Because we know this. We know the Lord is God. That's number one, right? The Bible starts off with in the beginning. Right? In the beginning, God, right? There's no explanation. No, no, He's there. He is. And second, He's in control. And thirdly, He will stand upon the earth and bring justice and true judgment. And fourthly, there will be a physical resurrection. See, these foundation stones point to the person and work of Christ Jesus, who is the cornerstone. He is the answer to all of our loneliness, to all of our pain. No matter what we have been through, no matter what we are going through, and no matter what is coming our way, we can hold to the sure and steady anchor of our souls, Christ Jesus the King. Now let's... uh, Close in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for this tiny little book of Habakkuk. And thank you for all of the truth throughout all of Scripture that that each, each book packs a punch because it is the Word of God and it is dealing with the sinful soul of humanity and that we can like an onion, peeling back layers. We put our souls forward with what we are wrestling with and what we're dealing with and all the circumstances around us and understand that you are God. You are in control. You will stand upon this earth rendering judgment and truth and everything will be put put back into place. And that one day we will inherit imperishable bodies. It's a great and glorious truth to celebrate the Sunday before Christmas Day. And to know that you have come to save sinners. To seek and to save the many and to be a ransom. To not be served, but to serve. And by taking the weight of all of our transgression. And that your physical resurrection signifies that it is finished the payment is finished and you are declared to be the son of god who you have always been lord and we thank you for these amazing truths i'll be with everyone as they as they travel as they go and see family uh, keep them safe on the roads lord i'll be with us and uh, just even in this in this time of loss with the loss of miss alice let's just comfort our hearts lord and be with 
be with us as we celebrate and know that you are the true light come to save man and, and let us share that. Whatever our circumstances, Lord, thank you. Thank you for everything that you have blessed us with, that, that we have your word. We have the ability to, to communicate with you no matter what is going on. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.